can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. All right, Celtics fans, we are back with another episode of Boston Celtics Game Day Recap. I'm your host, Guy DiPlacido, and we are joined by at BasketBot on Twitter. BB, welcome to the podcast, my man. Thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, I've always uh, wanted to be on a Celtics pod, so it's great to be talking about the green team without being a green team or myself. Absolutely. Well, I'd love to, love to hear that. Uh, so the Celtics come out with a big win, 116-83. Uh, pretty ugly game for the most for the most part. Uh, but going to follow today's podcast, same as usual. So want to run through player of the game. Uh, going to run through some of the highlights, uh, some of the negatives. And I'm going to wrap things up today, talk a little bit of trade talk with the trade deadline just four days away. Uh, but I'm going to push things over to you here, BB, uh, and go player of the game. Who do you got? I'm going to go with Jason Tatum. Uh, not necessarily his best night, but I'll take any any game where Jason Tatum is going to get just racking up assists and rebounds shows me that not only was he hustling, but he was also scoring, but he was also looking for others to score, which shows major growth in comparison to how he was a year ago or even towards the beginning of the year where it was just him looking for his shot, missing and just getting frustrated on both ends of the floor. I like seeing games like this from him where he's got an ability, he's starting to find guys. Even if this wasn't exactly the greatest opponent, it shows a lot that he's looking for guys because the whole narrative around the whole season was even just, not just him and Jalen Brown, but him and other players, can they coexist? Well, it looks like to me he got other people going. I mean, the score says it all, even though garbage time was kind of a foregone conclusion with by the time it got halfway through the fourth. Um, I just love to see those kinds of games from Tatum. I mean, one of these days we're going to get his first career triple-double, which kind of harkens back to I always was looking forward to the day when he would get his first 30-point game. And then I was like, the moment he gets his first 30-point game, that's how you know. He's, he's, he's right there. And Ever since then, it's been just 30, 40, 50. I mean, we all know that that 60-point game was actually 61 if the ref didn't call it a non-shot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'll, I'll agree with you. I mean, Jason Tatum, I thought, had a, had a solid game. You know, the one, the one downfall was obviously the shooting. The shooting numbers were horrible from him tonight. Uh, but like you said, he's finding guys. He's getting other people involved. And this is something that really the – front office, you know, Ime has really put on both of these guys, right? Both the Jays, Tatum and Brown. Uh, and Jason Tatum, they talked about it in the broadcast today. This is a this is a guy that is over 200 assists on the season, which is second just behind Smart. Uh, so for a guy that's going out and averaging, you know, 26 points a game, to go out and be able to put up nights where he has seven assists, it's important. It does. It gets guys involved. You know, I, I was talking to you about this before the podcast as well, but when you have a guy that can go out and put up 30, 40 points and then go out on other nights and struggle from the field but still have an impact, like that's a that's a guy you want to keep around. So I agree. It's, yeah. a, it's a solid game. Yeah, and it's, you know, the one thing, and this is just kind of an aside, I guess, I love I love what Rob is doing 
Um, it does bother me though that when he gets in with other, uh, when he gets into it with other guys that have around the same height as him, he always seems to have foul trouble. I just it it. But um, the reason why I brought him up though was just because he had what ten points tonight, and let's see, two blocks, two steals, one assist, six rebounds. I mean. You can't really argue with his efficiency. I mean, he would probably be, other than Jalen Brown's points, I would probably give it to Rob, even though he was almost a non-factor, you know, because he took himself out of the game with those fouls. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm gonna push back a little bit on this. So I was very impressed tonight. Not that I wasn't impressed with Time Lord, because I've been one of his biggest fans this season. I've given him a lot of credit. Uh, but Al Horford, to me was fantastic tonight and we've seen kind of like the the fountain of youth al horford the last week like he went through a bad stretch of basketball i'm not gonna not gonna sit here and argue that uh but tonight probably a lot of it probably had to do with the fact that he has covid yeah just coming back yeah if you build up that conditioning you know and you go on your back for a week two weeks it 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 really does take into take an effect on you especially probably at an older age but yeah i've been seeing it too like al's definitely been becoming more of a factor not so much from three but overall hustle just his rebounds his blocks his moving the ball setting screens i mean he's been doing it all yeah i mean tonight 13 points 11 rebounds five assists uh but you also saw tonight like in the post he just bodied Wagner uh, and just went back to like old school Al where he is just bodying guys, bullying them down low. And that's what we haven't seen a ton of. There's been some games where he's put it like put up games like that, but it's definitely not something that we've seen on a consistent basis. But you look tonight, one of six from three, which means five misses. So he was five of six from two which is just super efficient like that's the robert williams type numbers and that's the type of efficiency that you want obviously you'd like to see it from three as well but you know can't can't ask for everything i guess yeah it definitely it's al even in his first in here it was never really a huge i mean he could hit him i remember Kyrie when he would go up the mid-range area he would bounce it back to al and that'd be the most open you'd ever see him and he would hit those threes but he wasn't really like i'm going to shoot this three it was much more am i open i got it i'm gonna hit it yeah so outside of player of the game right because we've talked about tatum we've talked about time lord al uh, jalen brown solid game i do want to talk about the dunk that ended mo bamba's life because i don't know if i have seen a poster that bad in a long time, but Jalen Brown just absolutely elevated over Mo Bamba, who is huge, and dunked all yeah. over him. Yeah, I mean, that was just a savage dunk. I mean, it looked like it did kind of come off of his hand, but the, the fact that he followed through with it, even when it came off, he just finished so hard that we are now reading an obituary. Oh, my goodness. It was just a, it was a hell of a play. Like, absolute yeah. monster. And he actually went out and <laughs> tried to do it again shortly after. Uh, ended up getting fouled. But, I mean, Jalen Brown, this is another solid night, right? Like, you look at the look at the scoreboard, led the team in points, 26 points. 
Uh, shooting wise, ten of twenty-two, which is solid. But we'll talk yeah, about we'll that's... talk about the three-point shooting in the second segment because that's it was tough tonight. One of nine from him, two of eight from Tatum. It was tough, but similar to Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown also got guys involved. And it doesn't show as much in the assist numbers. Only three versus Tatum seven and, you know, Horford's five. Uh, but he was finding guys, but people just weren't hitting shots. Uh, and that's I mean, it just blows my mind looking at that. Dennis Schroeder and Grant Williams were 50% from three tonight, while it looks like Tatum was the third place with, with like, 25 Yeah, it's bad. Percent. It's bad. I mean, that's just that's pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, you look, even actually Romeo really holds up the stats too. But as a oh, team... I like that, I like that in, uh, in garbage time. Did you see that one play where Romeo, he was on the right side of the top of the key and they bounced it back and he just, he, he just got no hesitation, just went for it and hit three. Yep, he looked good. He looked good. Uh, again, it is garbage time. The Magic actually had most of their, like, starters still out there so i'm not gonna say it's like full-on garbage time but let's be honest the magic the magic at full strength are still pretty terrible so it's still kind of garbage minutes uh but you saw romeo play at a a fairly high level i mean you saw the you saw him obviously hitting the three you saw the baseline drive romeo has played well in the minutes that he's gotten but it hasn't been consistent uh, which is tough. It just I puts the Celtics in a tough spot. Is probably one of the more promising yet disappointing, in my opinion, on the Celtics in terms of the young talent because he, every time he plays, he's got fantastic defense. I mean, he's got quick hands. He's gotten blocks on people, run down blocks. I mean, he literally hustles and plays really hard but he can't stay healthy. It's almost like we're, it almost kind of sounds like I'm talking about Rob Williams from the last two years. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's just, if Romeo could just stay healthy, he could be a solid ninth, ninth guy off the bench. Cause I know that, I know that, uh, you know, he is running a very tight eight man rotation right now, which is all well and good. But once we start getting towards the end of the season, He's probably going to want to start looking to rest some guys if we make it either, you know, I'm hoping that after this stretch we can maintain anywhere between 6th, 7th, and 5th, anywhere between one of those three. Yeah. Because it, it just kind of feels like it's doable right now with the injuries to Brooklyn and uh, the Bulls as well. I mean, the Miami Heat, I think, are they still currently number one in the East? Uh, they are. They are. Um, but they the Celtics, the nice Celtics keep right. climbing. Actually, yeah, so Miami's still up. The Celtics, as of right now, are tied for sixth with the Raptors and the Nets. So, yeah, so you you look at that, and and you're looking midway through the season, more than midway through the season, and you're tied with the Brooklyn Nets. If you brought that conversation up at the start of this season, you would be really thrilled with where the Celtics are. But the Nets have really fallen off. The Celtics started off horribly, but you look and they're kind of they're kind of right in the mix of everything, uh, which is good I mean, to see. If it was the beginning of the season, the Brooklyn, uh, the New York Knicks would have been the greatest team in the NBA, right next to the Wizards. Yeah, it's wild, <laughs> wild how yeah. that happened. It, uh, it's so hilarious. 
think well, I remember the first week when everybody was like, the Wizards are the best team in the in the East and the whole NBA right now. Water finds its level. They are back out of the playoffs. Same with the Knicks. So you got to love to see that. Uh, but I do want to talk about two other guys here. I We can't go this podcast without talking about you know the efficiency of Dennis Schroeder. Uh, as much as I rag on him, shit on him, and talk about how much we need to trade him, he had a great game. 22 points, four rebounds, two assists. Shot the ball well, four of eight from three, as you had mentioned. What were you seeing out there from Schroeder? Um, I feel like to me, like Schroeder, I mean, I, I liked him. I kind of liked him all season because for a while there, I mean, he was like the third option until he got sick too. And then he kind of just fell off a map and then they kind of banished him to the bench, you know, and, uh, for in, but for him to get 22 points in 20 minutes, and he's like 50% from three on this game, I mean, he, he had one of the, the reason why, you know, he could have garnered as much as he was getting offered kind of games, you know? I mean, he's, de- <laughs> we, what is it, 16 or six, six million, right, this year? Almost Five, at 16 5. million. 5.9, like yeah. 6 million? 5.9 million is what he's getting this year, which is next to nothing. It's next. To, I would definitely say that if it's this type of a game, then you're getting every penny's worth. Um, unfortunately, if it's been less than that, I do kind of feel like that that was more of a the lineups uh, overall that were surrounding him because I do feel like he flourishes more when he's not on the floor with certain players. Um, but hey, you know he had and, a great night. Uh, I, I I'm not a I'm not a Schroeder hater. I think it is kind of like. Uh, it's like complaining about a hot dog. It's like, it's like, yeah, a hot dog is what you put on it. You know, if you don't like the flavor of the hot dog, then you're not putting the right seasoning on it. Yeah. So I mean, listen, I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and say that I hate Schroeder. I think Schroeder was exactly what we thought we would get from him. Uh, but at this point in the season, like, it's very clear that, and you kind of alluded to this too. There are certain lineups that don't work when he's out there. And that lineup is Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder. When Dennis Schroeder is the starting point guard and he plays alongside the guys, the rest of the starters, he plays well. When Marcus Smart plays with the starters and that's it, no secondary point guard, he plays well. And that's what we've seen the last couple weeks, uh, minus tonight. But tonight was a game where Dennis Schroeder really played well. So there was a lot of minutes tonight with both of those guys on the court, which is something we haven't seen in the last I couple of weeks. Notice, I did notice, though, that when the Orlando's uh, Magic started kind of getting back into it, they were both on the court. So I'm like, It's a, I'm it's a like, bad lineup. I've been saying it all season long. It's a bad lineup. For whatever reason, yeah. it just doesn't work. Because Marcus Smart doesn't get that like lead point guard role. Dennis Schroeder needs the ball in his hand. They both do. Uh, so it's just a, it's a tough situation. It, and uh, uh, it's something that just kind of occurred to me here. But isn't it funny, though, how much people rag on Dennis Schroeder for having the ball in his hand when Kemba actually was an extremely ball-dominant guard himself? And people loved Kemba and he would miss a lot I mean he really did I mean I know that injury uh, to his knee played a factor age whatever you want to call it 
but people did not shit on Kemba, and he was getting paid twice as much, and had just as kind of, if you want to say, on-off nights, like Schroeder here, but people, I think people just love to hate Schroeder, I don't think he's as bad, I think he is what he is, I think if you want to pay him $20 million a year, you might be a little crazy, but, you know, he could be a good trading chip, I mean, he's obviously an okay six man, you know, it's like, I don't know why, it's just something I think about sometimes, it's like, we've had more ball-dominant point guards in the past, and they got paid more and were less available and less efficient and sometimes less efficient too. So I, I don't, I don't dislike Schroeder at all. Like that's, that's not the point that I'm trying to get across the point, like the whole get rid of Schroeder thing for me is the fact that if the Celtics did want to re-sign him because we don't have his bird rice, the most that we could give him is like seven, seven point two million dollars. He will sign for more than that in free agency. So at this point, he's walking. At the if he could, if he absolutely told Brad Stevens, I promise you, I will sign here for seven million dollars. It's worth uh-huh. keeping because he's a guy that is worth that, but he's going to get paid more. So at this point, well, like, do you I'm let him? Saying. Do you let him walk for nothing, or do you try to trade him and get a second round pick or? even a potential young guy, which we'll talk about in the second half here as well. I would definitely say that, like, I think that sometimes people kind of mix the two subjects together that trade him because he's bad or trade him because he's leaving. Um, They kind of put them both together. I kind of feel like you're either in camp A or camp B, but either way probably has to go because not because he's not good it's more like he will leave and it'll be just like the last three years with you know hayward absolutely like absolutely um so Kyrie. i mean you name you name the stars i mean there have been i mean even al before we got him back i mean al left for nothing you know yeah and it yeah there's a long long list of guys that it has happened to uh, but we'll dive into that in a little bit because I do want to come back to that because it kind of coincides with some of the trade options. Uh, before I do so, I do want to talk briefly and about the ball movement. And this is something that's continued since Marcus Smart's been back, really this whole stretch that the Celtics have put together. The ball and player movement has continued to be at a very high level. 29 assists on the night. Uh, Grant Williams is another guy that we didn't mention that played really well. 12 points, 2 of 4 from 3, 5 of 9 from the field. Like, there are a lot of good things happening. And the Celtics are starting to kind of figure out who they are. It's a great time to do so because right now we're playing a less than strong schedule, I think is an easy way of putting it, right? And it's good that they're finally taking advantage of these teams and coming out and blowing teams out. This is another 33-point win. Uh, so it's good. It's just good. It's good to see. Well, the, the Celtics are third in defensive rating, and it looks like they're literally – I mean, it drops off after that, though, if you're looking at their offense, 19th in offense. Um but it's good to it's good to see though that they're letting their defense grit out games 
and that puts them in contention throughout games. Even against the Hornets, who can't win on a te- two, not one, but two 10-0 runs, and usually what would end up happening from the past, what we've seen, they start slumping their shoulders, they start yelling at the refs, but no, they outlasted them twice, and that was a good. That's the that was the game that told me that this team might be on a little bit of an upswing, like a little bit of a momentum change and a, and almost a culture change with the way that they've been moving the ball. Absolutely, uh, facilitating by Marcus Smart. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been great. It's uh, it's definitely been a really good stretch of basketball. One of the better stretches that we've seen, not just this year, but even last year, uh, which is good. With that being said, uh, this game wasn't all positive, right? It was a fairly ugly game. Before we dive into some of the negatives, though, I want to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code TBPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line. That's 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK to 467-369. All right, guys, time for a new favorite sponsor alert, Venture Greens Nutrition. Venture Greens Nutrition is changing the nutrition game forever. They offer one-on-one coaching where they build macro-based diets to get you moving in the right direction. As great as the coaching is, what I love most about Venture Green Nutrition is their line of CBD products. They have tinctures, salves, beard care, and gear. And the best part is, all Venture Green's Nutrition's products are formulated and manufactured in their own facilities in the United States. Check them out at VentureGreensNutrition.com. Use code CelticsTake15, that's CelticsTake15, for 15% off. You won't regret it. All right, so let's talk some negatives here, right? This, I'll keep this section super short because in a game where you win by 33, there shouldn't be a ton of negatives, but I'll kick it over to you here. I mean, there were, it wasn't a perfect game. What were some of the downfalls in your eyes? 
Uh, to me, it felt like in the third quarter and a little bit towards the end of the second quarter, ball movement was non-existent. It felt to me like as if they were just uh, Jason Tatum show and Jalen Brown. I mean, they it just felt like they could just will the win, and it just started looking real ugly and unenthusiastic. I mean, they know what type of team Orlando is. We know what type of team Orlando is. Feels like to me they were ready to just go to Disneyland, uh, Disney World after the game, you know? Because yeah. to me it just uh, it felt like they were ready for it to be over with because they knew at any moment they could flip the switch and put them away, which they definitely did. Yeah, and that and that part is kind of scary to me. The whole flip the switch idea, and you are right because it did happen tonight. Because for the majority of today's game, it was kind of an ugly game. They shot horribly from three. I mean, they ended up shooting 28% uh, as a team. But you saw two of four from Grant, four of eight from Schroeder, and two of two from Romeo. So our bench from three shot great. Our starters were horrible, uh, which is just, it's not good, right? You talk about flipping a switch. The Celtics haven't been able to flip that switch uh, for a lot of this season. So that is something that you can take from today's game as a positive. It's something that you can take from the last couple games as positive. I guess if we're still in the negative, it could also be something that is kind of a ne- it kind of makes me scared though that they seem to be able to turn on the switch for bad teams, but they think that they can turn on the switch for good teams. That's the only but it seems to me lately though they've been coming out strong against decent competition like the Heat and the Hornets. They don't, you know, they used to, for a while there, they were kind of uh, very slow to start the game and then in the third and fourth quarter play catch-up. They have definitely flipped the switch on that, and this is one of those games where it definitely seems to be that uh, towards the middle to the end games, they're turning on this, they're they're leaving the light on and turning the light off on it. Like, you know, throughout the game, not just either in the beginning or in the end. Yeah, they still they still need to work on putting together a, a solid 48 minutes. It certainly has happened. We've had those games where it's been 48 minutes of great basketball, but it certainly isn't the normal, uh, which is still frustrating. Uh, we, I don't know. At, at some point, the Celtics need to put together a game, a, a stretch of games. I can't say a game, but a stretch of games where they're coming out and playing at a high level. Uh, And a lot of it, to me, comes down to the play of Jason and Jalen. And I've talked about it a lot this season, but the shooting numbers are still horrible. Like, they're way down on their season average. You look tonight, 3 of 17 between the two Jays from 3. Like, that's – it's tough. Like, that's not a a good look if you're two potential all-star candidates. Like, obviously, Tatum's there potentially going to be named a starter with KD out. Jalen might get the nod because of injuries, but right now, I mean, he's on the outside looking in. So it's just a tough look if you're two potential all-star players and you're shooting a combined three of 17. I feel like, um, I feel like the Celtics, this is why they, it's kind of clear cut why they need that third score and why it's so frustrating when it's Schroeder, you know, because Schroeder has been unbelievably inconsistent. So has, uh, so has, uh, pretty much, I mean, Josh Richardson the other night was on fire. I mean, but look at him tonight. 
it's kind of like he, he he has these games. I mean, we've seen it many, many times on many different teams where there will be that guy, like, I call, I don't know, I call it the Jeff Green experience, yeah. where he's yeah. just nothing, nowhere to be seen, and then he has this game where he just torches you, and everyone is celebrating the fact that he's got 25 points in a quarter. Yeah. You know what's maddening to me? is the fact that the Celtics' most reliable three-point shooter all season long has been Grant Williams. And that's yeah, not that's not a knock bad. on Grant at all. It's like it's really not cuz I've given Grant a ton of credit this year. I think he's one of he is the most improved player on this roster by far. Uh, but it's maddening to think that we've got guys like Tatum and Brown who are, you know, 40% three-point shooters most of the time. And Grant is the one that's being the most consistent from deep. Like, that's just well, not a good look. If you think back to, like, Tatum's rookie year, he had Grant's role where he would just be posted into the corner. And Tatum was a really good catch-and-shoot. Uh, I think he led the league at one point in three-point percentage. He's kind of like Grant this year. I, I And at that time, you know, I just thought it was really cool that we had a rookie that was doing that. But in reality, I mean, it really was – the team that was getting them open, you know, like Kyrie Hayward was obviously not a non-factor, but then you had Jalen, Marcus Morris, all these other players. Uh, I remember uh, Tatum's rookie year, he kind of was the same a little bit. So, I don't know, I guess it's just that effect that if you just get two great players, I mean, he's essentially taking over Semi Ojale's hunch and catch role. I know, (laughs) and it's it's great. But like you said, we need... Never as good as Grant, that's for sure. Correct, correct. So, and that's and that's exactly where you know your point comes in. With we need other guys that can come in and contribute, uh, and that's what we'll talk a little bit about some of the trade offers that we've seen at least. Right. So one one report came out. There are two different offers on the table for Dennis Schroeder. One from the Bucks, another from the Bulls. I don't think we know exactly what either of those offers are. Uh, my guess, and something that's in you know our Twitter group chat as well, a name that's been floated has been Kobe White. And I want to ask your opinion. I don't know if that's possible straight up, Schroeder for Kobe. I think we'd probably need to toss in a pick here. But if that were possible, maybe a second-round pick in Schroeder for Kobe White. What are your thoughts? I mean, <laughs> I know that he's a 2K favorite. I mean, he's one of those ones that, you know, uh, I I got to admit, it's hard for me to follow the Bulls because they never seem to be on when I want to watch basketball on a day off or something. But I do know that Kobe White is actually pretty okay. And to be honest with you, the biggest crime of the last five years of the Celtics is hanging on to picks we don't need I mean how many did we take and they ended up not even panning out Tremont Waters uh, Carson Edwards Edwards, I mean you name there's so much of a hangover from all that I mean wasn't it last year 90% of like it literally felt like 90% of our bench was literally G leaguers and it it was just really ugly yeah Uh, um, if we had to throw in some picks for more of a win now I'm, I'm for it because in reality, I kind of feel like the Bucks would maybe is um is George Hill still on the Bucks? He is. He is. And do you think, do you think 
Do you think he'd be the one that they'd be swapping out? So I don't, I don't think so because I think they want a veteran presence. And I think that that's a guy like him kind of backing up Drew holiday gives them two excellent veteran point guards. The guy that I was kind of thinking was DiVincenzo. And I don't know if that's a hundred percent realistic. I know that they like, they have taken away a little bit of his role. Like minutes are down for the most part. So maybe he's that guy, uh, which I would a hundred percent be down for because he's a guy that can absolutely go out there, be a solid defender, even for his size. Like he's not a he's not a big guy by any means, uh, but I mean, he's, he's a guy a, that can go out and shoot. Guy, so he's mean, a guy he's that can shoot for sure, guys, though. So I mean, that's not too bad. I would rather. I mean, I would rather go with a bigger backup point if that's the intention. If the intention is to flip Schroeder for either Divincenzo, which. I'm looking at right now, or Kobe White. I mean, I'd rather go with somebody that would be able to switch and not have a uh, a Enos Cancer effect, if you will, where they, as soon as they come in, it's like, please, we just have to survive. Yeah, it's on defense. Well, I mean, Kobe Kobe White would be the better defender of the two, then. At least, at least size wise, like Kobe White. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he's like six four. Yeah, I, I I think the Bulls would be more inclined because they're the ones that feel the most desperate because they're the ones that have all the more to lose really if they don't keep in the in this race i mean the east is i mean you literally throw a rock and you're only a game away from being third to fourth to fifth i know yeah the other the other team that i would say is possible for the dennis schroeder sweepstakes is the Cavs. They just got that. They got a, I think it's $5.9 million or $6 million disabled player exception because of Ricky Rubio going down. Uh, They did just bring in Karis LeVert. uh, So that obviously changes things a little bit. It's not the same position, uh, but you kind of wonder, like, is that possible to get a guy uh, from the Cavs? Here's something that I actually just saw in the news a little bit ago during the game, and that um, Livingston just got waived. So if there are teams looking for a point guard, Boston is going to be reluctant to make a move unless it's going to be, like, for a really good deal. They might want to do it because, I mean, even though Livingston's older, I mean, he still is a veteran. Um, I mean, like you were saying, though, about the Cavs, I – Personally, to me, I mean, if it were me, I'm aiming towards the Bulls deal, if that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I Cavs agree. Just, I think he would be the best value for the money, if it's possible. Yeah. Again, I don't I don't know that it's 100% possible. I really don't. But I do know that they've, they've talked about wanting to trade him or putting him on the block. So, I don't know. I don't know what their expectation is on a return for him, but... If you could get him for an expiring contract and Schroeder and maybe a second round pick, I'd call that a huge win. Huge win. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what ends up coming of all these rumors because it's been going on for a while now. I mean, it's it seems to me like a foregone conclusion. Schroeder is gone. I mean, it there's it just seems. Like what you were saying about he could either walk. I mean, he's not going to stay. Uh, that 
it's a foregone conclusion that no matter what, he's gone. So, I mean, they would be probably pretty hard-pressed. I mean, despite all the other rumors of Smart, Harford, this guy for that guy, uh, Schroeder definitely seems like a sure thing being gone. Uh, it just, I guess it depends. They probably want a point guard back, though. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, and the other name that you just brought up, Marcus Smart. And this will be the last one that I talk about here. Uh, because, again, this is just a rumor, and I don't think there's any validity to it. But the Timberwolves want smart. Apparently, you know, it's going to take Malik Beasley and a first, which to me seems extremely unlikely. If you're the Celtics, do you take it? I mean, you said Malik Be- Beasley and what was the other one? And a first-round first pick. Malik Beasley. Uh, Malik- Beasley is uh, essentially a small forward, right? Uh, he's a bigger version of Smart. A little better offensively. Definitely not as good defensively. Mm. You said he's better offensively, but not as good defensively. I mean, I guess that's kind of a weird flip about the Celtics, right? They've been needing offense. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's it's kind of like does he facilitate well? Is he a shoot first? Or now, so he's so he's a shooting guard. He's averaging twelve points, three rebounds, one and a half assists. Stat wise, no. Stat wise, he's not anywhere close to Marcus Smart. Uh, however, you look at you know shooting numbers. On his career, he's a thirty-eight percent three-point shooter, thirty-five percent this season. Compared to you know Marcus Smart, who's right around thirty. I mean, it's it's really tough, but I mean, I'm not. I've been definitely, especially in the in the chat that we've got, I've definitely voiced my opinion on Celtics should not stick with Smart if they can help it. I mean, you don't. I don't think that you should give them up for nothing. But there certainly seems like there are a lot of teams willing to take on Smart's contract and facilitating and possible Steph Curry-like tendencies of just letting it fly. Um, I'm not one of those people who hates smart, but I certainly don't live with the thou shalt not slander smart because I think he, I think that's actually been the biggest issue is that it always seemed like up until recently, uh, he was kind of above criticism. one of the biggest times I can ever recall was when he th- um, there was the jump ball with New Orleans, I believe, and he, we got the ball, but he thought it was our shot clock that was at one second, yep. so he chucked it, and Kemba was like, why'd you throw the ball? And he's like, what do you mean? Why? It was a shot clock, and he's like, no, that was for them, and like Marcus just wasn't hearing it, you yeah. know, and it's just like, it was like lately, though, somebody talked to him, and it finally got through. This is what we need you to be, or you're gone. And it and it feels like for the first time that message has finally sunk in, and he's finally playing the role we always wanted him to be: take less than nine shots a game, get seven assists a game, block steals. I mean, he's playing the role that we we love to see him play. Yeah. Uh, personally, though, I mean, like really truthful. I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, though. They need that third shooting star. I mean, if see, it's kind of like this. If we move smart, but then we also move Schroeder and we get back 
I don't know, Kobe White and uh, what was the name from the Malik Beasley? Uh, Malik Beasley. That's actually not that bad. That would honestly help the bench and kind of help the offense. I, I don't know. I mean, that's tough. That's kind of like one of those like, would I do it? Mm, yeah, I guess that sounds pretty all right. Like, because Josh Richardson's been playing pretty darn good on defense, you know, and like the team. I would definitely say this when Marcus Smart was out with the injury. Yes, the offense and the facilitating were bad, but the defense didn't really slip that much. The defense has definitely been better with him in. Like I, that's it's not even questionable. But I don't know. I I'm not I'm not 100% in the camp of trading Smart for you know Amalik Beasley. I'm not opposed to trading him. I'm not on the camp of he's untouchable. By any means, I think realistically the only ones are the Jays and Time Lord that are completely untouchable. Uh, but I think you, I just think you need a better package than Malik Beasley in the first, I, at I least in my eyes. Smart would be kind of more of a addition to a bigger move, yeah. like him, him and Al for like this guy and this guy type. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but it just kind of feels like that that. It seems to be everybody just wants to pluck certain players from us. They don't want to. They don't want to do like a package deal from the Celtics. Yeah. They just want to pluck from us. Yeah, no, I I agree. I agree. Which uh, is kind of frustrating because you see other people getting two players in a deal, three players, or like a couple team deal to get this player and that player. Um, while we seem to only be able to get like okay, we'll give you one for one and we'll let you come over and have lunch with us. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of that just comes down to the fact that like some of these teams are sellers and they're kind of taking advantage of that opportunity. Like, I don't think that, I don't think that a lot of teams that are, I mean, Indiana looks like they're literally fire sailing. I mean, well, that's what I mean. Yeah. I mean, I I agree. So you need to find a team that's in that situation in order to go more than a one-for-one in my eyes. But I think, I mean, truthfully, from the way that it sounds like with the Indiana situation, I mean, they seem like the ones that might be the most inclined to give you more because they look, they're look they definitely looking to rebuild. Uh, now, what they would probably ask, and I'm not even going to talk about a Sabonis or Miles Turner, but you could get some pretty good role players from them for probably a smart like if you could get I don't know probably two or three role players for a smart would you do that I mean could that's the I think that's the ideal scenario considering how talent depleted we've been so I mean it depends on it depends on who it is honestly because you look if it's a if it's just a shooter and not a point guard like I don't think that that's okay like I think the Celtics need someone that can run the offense Um, I think we have guys that we can certainly get rid of to open up the space if we need it like I don't think Bruno Fernando really needs a spot on this team so like I think he's someone that we certainly could get rid of but I don't know I mean there's there's certainly a lot of moves that are possible uh, and I think we need to have you back on at some point to talk more about that but for sake of time here uh i do want to wrap but i appreciate you hopping on the podcast uh you can plug yourself on twitter one more time here uh 
everyone go follow him at basketbot is that the that the perfect twitter handle right there at basketbot yeah it's a basketbot but uh, the bot is a zero not the o is a zero in bot but uh other than that it's a yeah come follow us uh, if you send me a message and i'll add you into the celtics nuke chat i call it and i was currently five and oh since the since we started the nuke chat so it's been great i, I was was a pleasure to be on and to talk some green team basketball uh i hope everyone has a wonderful rest of the season and let's hope we're on the upswing and up and down awesome all right thank you bb for everyone that hasn't done so already make sure to follow me on twitter at nba celtics guy Make sure to follow our Facebook page as well, Boston Celtics Till I Die. Uh, And make sure to rate and review the podcast. Five-star written review, greatly appreciated. Have a good night, Celtics fan. We will talk soon. I can't help it, I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it, nah, I can't help it, nah. I can't help it, I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it, I ball like a Celtic.